Today is the last Sunday in our sermon series about why we do what we do. And I hope that if you've been joining us over the last few weeks, you've gained some new or deeper appreciation for the practices which form our patterns of worship together week after week. And more than that, I hope that you better understand how God is forming us as a people, shaping us by our worship to participate in the realities of the gospel in the world. If you've forgotten, or perhaps is your first Sunday joining us, over the last six weeks or so, we've identified together that the work of being called, of singing praise, of confessing sin and receiving good news, of listening to the word, of giving generously, of praying and interceding for the world, of celebrating Christ's presence with us and to us, is not only work which we do on Sunday, but is in fact the Christian way of life itself. This week we come to the final act of our worship together, that of blessing. The blessing at the end of our service creates a sort of symmetry in our worship. Even as we believe that the first word is God's word, God calling us together to worship as a community, so too we believe that the last word is God's word speaking to us and sending us out into the world as people who bear the grace, love, and communion of the triune God to a world in need of God's presence and work. A theme we've considered throughout this series is that God is a God who speaks. From creation to sending the incarnate word among us to the revelation of the Spirit through all ages, God has spoken to God's people. But more than just a God who speaks, God is also a God who sends. We see that God is a God who sends. God spoke to the prophet Moses in the burning bush and sent him to the people of Israel that they might be saved from Pharaoh. God spoke to Isaiah in a vision of the temple and sent him to prophesy to a lost nation. In Jesus Christ, God spoke to disciples, fishermen and tax collectors, and sent them to make disciples of all nations. God speaks, and we draw near. And then God speaks, and God sends us that God might draw near to a world which we serve. Before all of those examples I listed, God spoke to Abraham, then Abram. And he calls Abram from country and kindred and father's house. And he sends him to a new place, which is to be a place of blessing. This was the first scripture reading we heard read for us from Genesis. And we might ask of this reading, what's that got to do with us? Because this was a call from God for Abram, with a promise that was for Abram. What does that have to do with us at all? Which is a very good question we should ask more often. Because God is not calling all of us to leave country and kindred and father's house. God is not sending all of us to some new promised land. But a very ancient tradition of the church is to read what is a physical reality in the Old Testament as a spiritual reality for the Christian life. One 6th century preacher 
considers this passage and suggests that we should take the instruction to leave your father's house in a spiritual manner. That the devil was our father before the grace of Jesus Christ. He points to the fact that Jesus calls the devil the father of all those who do the devil's work. So even as God called Abram from his father's physical home, so too we have been called to leave the devil's house, to stop doing the devil's work. Isn't that what so much of our worship is and is about? In our worship, God calls us from country and kindred and father's house, from the world which has shaped us, from the sin which has bound us, from the devil who has directed us. And God calls us to something new, a better life, a freedom we have not known, a good father who loves us. Leave the things you have known, God calls to us in worship, and go to the land I will show you. Live the very good lives which I offer you instead. God promises Abram blessings as he leaves all these things and follows God's leading. And in the same way, God continues to promise blessing to all who now leave country and kindred, comfort and familiarity, the sin which so easily entangles to follow him. Blessings naturally come from following him. This is part of why we are blessed at the end of our service of worship, because blessing is the natural result of the work which we do by turning away from that which we naturally know and choosing instead what God has called us to. Regularly, we choose to put aside all that harms us and to pursue with diligence that which we know is for our good. How could anything other than blessing come from decisions like that? That work is the very work of choosing blessing rather than curses. And in Jesus Christ, we have found abundant blessing, even life itself. We are blessed because in following Jesus and turning toward his Father, we have chosen blessing. But a bigger question that it's important for us to ask is, for what purpose are we blessed? We also see this in Abram's story. Genesis 12, 2 says, I will bless you, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. God says, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. Abram isn't blessed for his own good. He's blessed so that his whole life will be a blessing. In the same way, you are not blessed so that you will be happy or so you will be content or so you'll be comfortable. All of those things may happen. They may be true. Who knows? But rather, you're blessed. The reason why God blesses you is so that you can be a blessing to others, to other people who you meet and other people who you know. You are blessed so that your very presence is a blessing to your classmates, to your office, to your neighbors. The blessing which we receive at the end of the service is for us, is for you, yes. But far more than that, it is for the world which God loves 
And it is for every person who God loves. And the path of that blessing to the world is with you, wherever you go, whoever you meet. You are blessed that the world might be blessed through you. Consider for a moment the ways you've been blessed by God. Perhaps you've been blessed with a home or with good health, with a vehicle or with a flexible schedule. Maybe you're blessed with a family or with financial resources, blessed with a skill you can ply or an influential contact that it's sometimes helpful to know. How kind and generous our God is. What beautiful blessings for God to bestow on God's people. And none of this is only for you. If these things truly are blessings from God, and I believe that they are because we know every good and perfect gift comes from above, then we ought to consider how has God called me to use home or strength or vehicle, or schedule, or family, or finances, or skill, or influence to be a blessing to other people? How is this blessing given to me being a blessing to others? This is what we see fleshed out for us in the passage from Romans that was read for us today. As followers of Jesus, we are called to be a certain way in the world to be a certain kind of people. And as we read that passage from Romans, surely we can imagine how much a blessing it is to be around people who are like that. How good is it to know people who hate evil and cling to what is good, whose love is sincere? How refreshing is it to be near to people who are joyful in hope, who are patient even in suffering, who are faithful in prayer. What an encouragement it must be for those of us who struggle to see the good of hope, who despair in our affliction, who falter in prayer. How reassuring is it to be in a community where we know that people share with those in need and are hospitable to others. We are to be so full of blessing that Romans says we should bless even those who persecute us. Bless and do not curse. Notice in Genesis, when God calls Abram, he says that those who curse Abram, God will curse. It's not Abram's job to dole out retribution. Only God can do that rightly. And the same is true for us. We are a people of peace and blessing. And as Romans reminds us, do not take revenge but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Our work is very simple and very complicated. We simply receive the goodness which God shows to us. We receive Christ's peace. We are empowered by the Spirit. We have the blessing of our good Father. And we share that which we've received with the world. That's the simple part. I think we could all agree that we can do that. And the hard part is that this means if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If your enemy is thirsty, Gives them something to drink. 
That's costly. It's costly not only to our pride, though I'm sure that's true also. It's costly because when you feed them, you feed them with your food. When you quench their thirst, you give them your water. The very things which God has provided to us, we then share even with our enemies. To be a blessing to the world is to trust that God's good word over us and over our lives will not and cannot run out, will not fail. That we cannot be too generous. We cannot share too abundantly. We cannot bless too lavishly so as to outdo the blessing of our God which has been given to us. That even in suffering, even in poverty, our lives remain a blessing to others around us. If we do not believe that that is possible, we need only consider the life of Christ Jesus our Lord, in whose suffering and poverty, in whose very life we know every good thing. What would it mean for you to be a blessing to your neighbors? Your actual neighbors, not the like Samaritan, you know, the faraway neighbor we don't think about. Your actual neighbors, the people who live in the apartment beside you, the people who live just across the street. How are you a blessing to them? How are you a blessing in your school to your classmates, to your teachers and the staff? How are you a blessing to your clients, customers, manager, and co-workers at the office? How are you a blessing in gridlocked streets or on a crowded subway train? Or when it seems like every intersection within three blocks of the church is closed? How are you a blessing when you have much and when you have little? How is God calling you to bless even your enemy? I hesitate to say it because we don't really want to hear it, but the truth that the scriptures point us to is that if we fail to bless others, if we fail even to bless our enemies, we have been overcome by evil. To be overcome by evil to be overcome by the lie of evil, which says there is not enough to go around. The lie which says that God does not care for you or your needs. The lie which says you're the only one looking out for you. To fail to bless others is to return to the country of our natural birth, whose law is everyone for themselves. To return to the house of the devil where each one seeks vengeance for their wounds and where each one seeks comfort even in the curse of sin. The curse of sin is rampant in our world. It is the cause of evil, suffering, chaos, and death. And its antidote is not participation within those systems. Its antidote, its only antidote, is blessing that the blessing of God might come upon the whole world again and overcome evil with good, suffering with flourishing, chaos with order, and death, yes, even death, with life. 
the blessing of God entered the world in people who trusted God to lead them to better lives and better places. And it fully entered the world in Jesus Christ, who is the way to the Father's blessing. So it continues to enter the world in Christ. Now through his body, the church, spread across the world so that all people in all places might see and experience the work of God's good word. A blessing spoken and embodied which overcomes the curse that we have lived under for far too long. A blessing which unmasks the lies and work of the devil. The false father's home which is no good for us and which welcomes us into the arms of our loving God. In Christ, who became a curse for us, we are free from every curse. And in pursuing his good kingdom, we leave all curses behind us, now committed wholeheartedly to the work of blessing for which he has called us to himself and is sending us into his world. Today, as you've heard, is Christ the King Sunday. It's more than the end of our sermon series. Today is the last Sunday in the Christian calendar. And today, we remember that Christ reigns over all things, in heaven and on earth, and that one day his rule and reign will be fully known in all places. And when that day comes, there will be nothing but blessing, nothing but life left for us to enjoy. Until that day, we are reminded of its, of its words as goodness and life and peace are spoken over us. And we are not only reminded that the Lord is king over all the earth, but we are reminded that the king has made us to be ambassadors of his kingdom, people of blessing in a world of curses, that all might know the loving kindness of our Lord. In our worship, God calls to us. God calls us from the curse of sin, calls us from our false father's house, and sets a new country on our hearts, a promised land which is not just over some physical horizon that we must journey toward, but a better kingdom which is near at hand and still coming soon. In our praise, we yearn for that good country, in confession, we seek to chart its course again and are assured of its goodness to us. In the word preached, we are given vision for how to live lives full of its promise for today. In prayer, we seek its coming for the good of the whole world. And as we are blessed, we are sent that we might be signs of that kingdom of blessing wherever we go. God calls us to the kingdom where Christ alone is king. And him who is the truest blessing reigns over all things and in every place. Until that kingdom comes in its fullness, we go with God's spirit to herald its coming, to assure others of its goodness, and to live lives of blessing which reveal Christ's kingdom even now and even here. May God bless us that we may truly be a blessing until by our prayers and in our lives that kingdom comes. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I asked you a lot of questions in the midst of that sermon. 
And I'd like to give you more time now to reflect on them, to consider them. And so first, I want to invite you to actually think about how God has blessed you. Consider how good Christ being king over all things has been for you. And then secondly, to think about the week ahead. Think about all the people you'll see, all the things you'll do, and to name what opportunities to be a blessing do you know you're going to have. And when you identify those things, those places, those people that you can bless, pray that God would lead you to be faithful in that work. Thank you.